Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing. The Dark One is waking. But there will be one who can stand against him. And it's one of the five of you. You've fully lost your mind. Your life isn't going to be what you thought. Marine. What are those? His army is coming. What can we do? Protect the people we love. No matter the cost. Our enemies are everywhere. They will leave no one standing. We've lost too many people already. I can't lose you. You won't. If we do not stop the Dark One now, the whole world will burn. I can't allow it. The wheel weaves as the wheel wills. Welcome back to Adaptation Nation. It's a big one today. I think it's an emotionally big one for 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 my co-host today. I'm very interested. I'm the new. I don't mind saying that normally when we come into some of this stuff that we do, I tend to be better prepared and have done. I'm I'm the neophyte here. I'm the learner. I'm you know I'm not even the wisdom in this situation. I'm just I'm just here to learn at the feet. I'm here with Jen Northington, who is editor. Uh, edit, works at editorial operations here, but co-host SFF. Yeah, does this, does get booked. Co-editor of one of NPR's favorite books of 2021, Swordstone ah. Table. <laughs> Incredible stuff. Super nice. Yes, that was really lovely. And maybe most important for our purposes here, is there a term for wheel of time? Like are oh, Jordanians, God. time heads, <laughs> wheelies? I don't know. What is it? Is there a name for this? I did hear somebody jokingly say wheelies once, but I was like, that's awful. I don't I don't identify as a wheelie. That's not a thing. Uh, well, you are a true dragon. I am merely a false dragon. You co-host a podcast about Wheel of Time. It's been an important part of your cultural life for a long time. So we're going to get in all of that here in a moment. Before we get started, you can find this show wherever you want to find it. They, um, you can email us at adaptationnation.com. Uh, bookriot.com is that right yes. is that the, that's so if you've got any feedback for us there um, we're looking forward to it as well I guess let's start with our pre-existing relationship to the book I'll go first because mine's easy I really had none I, I really didn't it was one of those books that I had some friends growing up junior high and high school that were much more into high fantasy than I was I did the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit like everyone else 
kind of of a book as persuasion my age, but I never got into, and I lumped this in together, and I don't know if it's fair or not, I, with like the sort of Shannonara series, it's kind of Shannara, yeah. Is Terry that similar? Brooks. Am I if it fair to throw it in the same mix at all or no? Um, I don't think it's unfair. Okay, I think, <laughs> I was I think they're pretty. Kind. Yeah, no, no. I, I mean, they all were getting published around the same time, and they all had Lord of the Rings as a touch point. They just sort of went in different directions. Right. Yeah. But these giant mass market paperbacks with really like elaborately drawn sword and shield and dragon covers. Like that's, they're mm. all in the same mind. And also the other thing about this series is it's a 10,000 books long. No, I mean, it's 14 <laughs> books and a prequel and each of them is huge. And it came out in 1990, the first book hit. And so I would have been 12. So I was a little young for it right then. And it was really picking up a little bit later. So I, I think I was kind of almost the wrong age. Like it was already cooking by mm. the time I was 14, 15. I may have gotten picked up a little bit more. So I'm not sure. But I know it's been important to you. I've followed it. I've had friends who it's been very important to. And I think we can talk about this more. I think we might be cresting on the next Game of Thrones, whatever that looks like, kind mm. of efforts. Because what's coming out later in this vein is Lord of the Rings prequel stuff which mm-hmm. is Game of Thrones. So I don't even think you can throw that into the next Game of Thrones category, but of the of the people searching around for IP that hasn't been made into flagship franchises, Wheel of Time, I think, is a natural fit. It has all the money in the world thrown, a huge um, production. I will put in the show notes a gen link to it here, and I read it as well, a long piece in GQ by Zach Barron about all the logistics of yeah. going to making this, how much money is getting thrown at it. But that, and that's mine. So I've always been curious, but it's been a, I feel like the nerd water was a little too deep before this for me to wade into when it came into fantasy. Mm. Um, But this was definitely interesting enough to me on a cultural sort of business industry level and a good excuse to get into something new, which I'm always into. So that's me. Jen, how about, I I don't, I know a little bit, but tell me your, how you got into it, your earlier experiences, where you are, maybe up until the moment this TV show came out, what was your wheel of time experience, relationship, what you love and your, your, you know, your, why it's important to you? Yeah. So I read like all the high and epic fantasy I could get my hands on as a kid. That was my jam. My mom read us Lord of the Rings and Chronicles of Narnia Mm. out loud before we could read. And I think I blame her. (laughs) Thanks, mom. Uh, So, yeah. So, you know, this was just another one on the shelf. Like I read the Terry Brooks. I read... Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you know, the um, Dragonlance is what I'm thinking of. They were inspired oh, by Dragon Dungeons and Dragons. But I read yeah. Dragonlance. Like I read, it was all, it was almost all I read as a kid, pretty much up until college. So I don't recall exactly where we were in the publishing cycle, mm. but I had kind of drifted away from Wheel of Time at that point because it was taking so long for the books to come out. And... I especially when I got to college, I was like, oh, now I must read mm-hmm. literature like sure. I'm I'll read Salman Rushdie, but I'm not going to read Wheel of Time anymore. Right. Like I'm a grown up now and I shall put childish things behind me. And then it took until I don't know, a few years after college until I was like, wait, I can like all of these things. Like I'm right. allowed to like as yeah. many things as I want. Like, that's fine. But I didn't pick back up the Wheel of Time because I remembered from reading it as a kid, there's a bajillion characters it's a bajillion pages long I didn't remember enough to just like dive in with whatever I couldn't even remember which book I had stopped at to be perfectly honest (laughs) and I was like I have a guess but I don't actually know and then when I was in New York working working as a bookseller 
the last three books were coming out. Brandon Sanderson had been, Robert Jordan had died. Brandon Sanderson had been tapped to finish the series. They made the announcement it was going to be three books. And then I actually worked a midnight release party for the first of those three final books. And that was actually, point of interest, where Preeti Jibber and I really became friends because we knew each other before that. We were in similar circles in New York City, but we hadn't really like bonded except for we had seen each other referencing, like there was this wheel of time joke running around on Twitter that both of us had seen each other referencing. And so when I got, I, I got, you know, this job to work this midnight release party for the bookstore. And I was like, do you want to come and hang out? Like, I know you're into this stuff. Like, let's hang out. So she came and, you know, the rest is like a mm, little bit so of friendship. That's so great. That's yeah, wonderful. Yeah, friendship history. Uh, but it, And I read the final three books, and Preeti and I did a whole series for Book Riot of yes. posts. But I cheated. I read the Wikipedia entries for every book that I hadn't read up until the last three. Okay. And so I just got, like, the broadest outline of strokes. And then, because I didn't have time to sure. reread all, you know, 11 that were up to that point. So then... Fast forward to the middle of the pandemic and they make the announcement that like in a year, it's like November of 2020, they're like in a year, you know, Wheel of Time is going to premiere on TV. Like it's been bought, it's going to happen, we're starting production, like it's for real coming. And Preeti and I were like, what if we started a reread now? Like what if we started rereading the books and inevitably we're like, what if we made a podcast about it? (laughs) (laughs) Because what else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? So we started our Tarvalin or Bust, which is our Wheel of Time podcast, in November of 2020. And we have just finished, at the time of this recording, book four, which is The Shadow Rising. And we're pausing for December, and we're we are also reviewing the TV show as it comes out. So I have now read past where the TV show season one is said to be going, right? They've said that season one of The Wheel of Time... TV show is going to be mostly books one plus a little bit of two and three. And so we're now past that point. Yeah, I'm going to need some help with that in a minute because there's some stuff in the... I've seen four episodes, which is all that I I watched the first two and they dropped and then I caught up. Um, But there's some stuff in... I think especially the fourth one, I'm like, okay, I'm usually better at remembering, but there's whole things here that I don't remember from book one. Anyway, that... So can can I ask you to do two things that are probably unfair to ask, but you tell me. <laughs> First of all, for you, what is it about Wheel of Time? And then can you speak for a general sense of what, what do people like, the book lovers that go to yeah. Dragon Con and now there's a Wheel Con? There's like a whole con. Right. Like it's one of those things. Yeah. What is it that people like about Wheel of Time? I know that sounds reductive, but I think it's harder for these kinds of fandoms to pin down than maybe it seems at first. Yeah, I don't know. I think Wheel of Time makes sense because you have characters of two genders, right? You have female and male characters in the books who get to do cool stuff. You have this very interesting magic system. You have you have a good and bad setup that is more Lord of the Rings, right? Like Game mm-hmm. of Thrones is grim dark. Everybody is morally flawed. There's no goodness in the world. It's all just people looking out for themselves. Wheel of Time is like not quite as black and white in terms mm-hmm. of morality as Lord of the Rings, but it's much closer. Yeah, that's fair. And you have this giant world. I mean, the world is enormous which most of that era's high fantasy was england like it was europe if not just england and 
Robert Jordan went much farther afield. Now, he didn't always do it well, but he did it. And so it feels like there's more space to roll around in. There's different sorts of ethnicities and cultures and religions in the books. There's different types of food and dress. Like, he really went all in on the world building, which I think lends itself to especially with as many books as there are, if you are less about, like, I just want to know the plot of this, mm -hmm. like, I'm here for the plot, if you're more about, like, I want to get the heck out of reality and roll around for as long as I want in a fantasy world, like, you couldn't, I mean, you can just do that. You can just do that. I think it. I think that's kind of where I landed in looking at the whole, kind of looking at the series as a whole and what people, I've read a little bit about the history of it and just looking at book one and then sort of reading the wikis of where it goes from there. The the primary virtue, and this is going to sound like a slight, but I really don't think it is. I, I really don't mean it that way. Is there's so much. There's, yeah. you kind of want these, I mean, I think we're seeing this in the worlds of Star Wars and the worlds of Marvel. Mm. People want it to go on for, to, to always have something else, to always mm -hmm. have another piece, to always have another corner to explore. And as this is as close as you're going to get to a forever kind of a series. And even the, even the metaphor of the Wheel of Time suggests you just turn the wheel again, you could crank out 15 more. Like this is all part of another thing. And like it doesn't have to end in this particular way. Because when you look at, say, you know, it's inescapable for good or ill. The, the shadow of Tolkien is not just a mm -hmm. shadow. It's like, I don't you know, it's like a golem, like just there yeah. all the time. We can talk about that some more as well. But when you look at even the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings all together, it's actually very small when you yeah. think about it. It's a small group of people going through kind of one path. And, you know, there's this thing I remember as a kid, like, what's happening to the dwarves at the end? Right. Of, like, and all the kind of kids like me that answer that, well, you're going to find out what happens to the dwarves and then the three generations of dwarves that are before them. And then how right. Jordan's <laughs> going to give you all of that stuff. So if you're looking for an escapism where you get to escape and stay for a long time, I don't know that there's an equal. I really don't. Maybe you do Discworld, you know, Terry Pratchett, yes. but that's not a yes. full big series, right? They're not connected in like a oh, whole giant Oh, there are a thing. bajillion Discworld books. I mean, they are they are more loosely connected. That's it's right. not one yeah. overarching plot. Yeah, that's correct. But the and again, I don't want to spoil this, but we're going to talk about some more. Let's say most of the characters you meet in the first, let's say 12 chapters are going to be there at the end. Right, you're gonna follow yeah. them, and, and yes. now you're going to go on wild uh, side quests, yes. multi-book side quests. I think. Yep. Um, but you're gonna follow these characters through a whole range of, I don't know. It, it's it's even hard to describe. And I think that sense of immersion over time, mm -hmm. there's just nothing like it. Now, I think Jordan wrote. Now, especially since we have Martin and Rothfuss out there, Jordan's output even looks wilder in comparison even than it did oh. while I was writing my think. I mean, just the amount yeah. of pages he pumped out. And I know you say you were like, oh, they're, they're taking forever. In hindsight, we we would sign up for like the Martin fans of the Rothmans are like, well, please <laughs> give me one every two years. That would be amazing. Yeah, right. But he still kept up a pace and had seemingly interest in pleasing fans, which I find very interesting. Apparently there was some criticism about one book and he kind of took that in and really was looking to build something people wanted to spend time with overall. Um, so I think that's it. Now, is it, it's not it's not Tolkien fan fiction. Is it a knockoff? I think if you're uncharitable, you could say maybe yes. I don't think it's exactly a knockoff myself, but if I were to describe it in, in 15 sentences, the first one especially, it's pretty close. But I think maybe what's more interesting to think about is where it's different. And where it's different is 
principally, this is something you and I talked about a little bit while we were talking about talking about this, <laughs> is women get stuff to do. I mean, I think that's yeah. the thing that leaps off to me from the beginning, even knowing that was going to be a thing, that that's a huge part of the diversion, right? Because even the TV, uh, TV, the movies of Lord of the Rings was trying to gend up more stuff for, mm. oh gosh, now Eowyn uh, and, oh, Liv Tyler's character. They ginned Arwen. up more Arwen to do. That was even putting a, uh, polishing the penny of what's actually on the text. So that's yeah. completely different. I think the magic system is much more complicated for good mm-hmm. or for ill. In the Dungeon and Dragon world of the early to mid-90s, I think people were looking for that. They yeah. wanted a bunch of different spells. They wanted different weapons. And I mean, you look at Lord of the Rings, like Gandalf like uses the staff a few times, and mm-hmm. there's the Witch King, and then the ring. And that was kind of, it's very light once you think about yeah. it in the whole. So you get a lot more magic there. What else, I guess, um, if, you, if you have to throw it, really, if, you, if you throw it against the wall of Tolkien, Jen, what else would stand out to a reader who knows Tolkien but hasn't done Wheel of Time, do you think? Well, again, you know, the bigness of the world, right? Yeah, the it's, bigness. You go so far, so much farther afield. I do think that at its heart, Lord of the Rings is very much about preserving home. Mm-hmm. Like everything that those characters are doing is to either like, for example, preserve the Shire the way it is or to bring back something to the way it was, right? We're going to restore Gondor. Yeah, We're going to restore Middle-earth to what it was. And I think the Wheel of Time is very much like, uh, you kind of can't go home again. And also the world is going to break. Like you can't save the world without breaking it, which mm-hmm. is not a Tolkien thing at no. all. At I all. think that's a really fascinating idea and very much in keeping with... The idea, I mean, as, as cyclical as Wheel of Time, that metaphor is, that doesn't mean that this wheel's going to come back around to where it was. Like, think of it a right. wheel on a wagon, right? That right. As the wheel turns, it's moving forward. I think that's a very cagey observation about Tolkien, which is, again, coming back from World War I, that's right. what everyone wanted to do. We want to get right. out of the, the Maginot line slash Mordor. We want to go back to the Shire slash, you know, Shropshire or wherever we're trying mm-hmm. to go. We want to get Vigo back on the throne. We got to get rid of these rings. We got to, you know, like, let's get back things the way they were. And it's a little unclear at the beginning of what's so great or bad about the world of um, Jordan. But as you roll along, you realize there are things afoot. Mm -hmm. And I think that sense of there's a muddiness to the virtue of the past and the future that's very compelling, I think. Mm. Um, And that gives it an ambiguity. I I think you touched on that a little bit before about who is good and who is bad and what is good and what is bad. That is... I think as an older reader, I find more compelling, especially I think yes. that is in the lineage of the, like, I don't know Martin at all about his backstory of fantasy. I'm sure he's read everything, but like this idea that different people are good and bad at different times uh, from mm-hmm. different perspectives is super present. And, you know, the, for me, the great invention that I, both in the TV show and the book is the the Aes Sedai and, and mm. Lady Moraine and especially Pike's presentation, like the centrality of this sorceress class that has its own internal politics, yes. right? They're not all yes. the same. Right. They're good or they're bad. They're known, they're not known. They're witches, they're angels, all wrapped up into one. Um, I thought that was probably, I think that probably the most important thing to me to find, like, this is new, this feels different to me. And in the mm. TV show, I think Moraine is maybe the character you had to get right, especially the centering yeah. they did of Moraine in a TV show, but I don't want to get at ourselves um, too much there. On the... On the what the Wheel of Time doesn't do as well, um, 
I think Jordan, as you say, and this came up in a little bit as we're talking about Frank Herbert too, tried to be expansive and inclusive and it can border on co-opting slash colonizing to some degree. Oh, I don't think it borders on. I think well, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to pull Pantage a little bit, but yes. Yeah, so like, you know, co-opting, misusing, mm-hmm. integrating unfairly or, or, or in a way that's not as responsible as it might be. On the other hand, the gesture towards inclusivity is yes. there at the same time. So it's its own kind of, of its time inclusion, mm-hmm. but there's mm-hmm. elements of it that don't work as well. Let's see, what else, Jen? What else about the Wheel of Time, like for someone to going in, just here's something you should just know about getting well, into it. Well, I, like I said to you, or like, Jen, I'm going to read this. I was like, don't do it, Jeff. Yes, <laughs> I told, you told I, me not to. The book, I told you not to. And here's why. is because he is not a... Gosh, I'm like trying so hard to be delicate about this. I don't the know why. The pleasures of the sentence are not what you're there for. Oh my gosh. He he is such a baggy writer, especially the as the books go on. I think book one through three are actually tight for Jordan, like mm-hmm. relatively tight. But the longer you go, I mean, we just finished book four and I was like, that was already a little bit of a slog, right? Mm-hmm. And I know because I remember that the middle books, the middle eight books get even longer with less happening. So he he rolls around in his world a little too much. Like he is very, I don't know what the editing experience for Robert Jordan was like. Question. I can only imagine what that editing relationship was like, but he would never use one word when he could use 50 to describe something. Like he will use as many words as he possibly can every time. And he also never met a character he didn't want to do a POV for, which is both a delight and too much. So it gives us some really interesting different perspectives on what's going on, which I do appreciate both from a craft and like a reader standpoint, but there's too many of them. There's just too many of them. So unless you really don't mind that these books are going to take, not just because they're long, but because they feel long in certain sections, like there's no reason. Also, the gender dynamics, the male-female binary, the way that Jordan characterizes Mm -hmm. it is infuriating. And even as a teenager who was like, you know, proto-feminist like just sort of discovering what it what gender meant and I had no grounding in gender theory whatever like I know a lot more than I did then but even back then it was obnoxious and now it's like oh it's like there's certain things that are like nails on a chalkboard like all men are pig-headed and stubborn and all women are like mules and don't listen and nag and like you know he just has these essentialist attitudes about what it means to be female versus what it means to be male Mm -hmm. that are they're real they're real annoying for for me anyway and seems pretty hard to get away from in terms of how he structured the idea of the one power and who can use it and why it's the way it is like it's very binary right there's oh yeah it 100 relies on a gender binary yes it's very hard to get around i think this the show is struggling with that or Mm. not or i don't know we can talk about that a little bit more as well I think it's indulgent, right? I think that's the thing. Yes. So, I, so my experience of book, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed reading it, and I was also totally fine not to pick up another one. The the first book does yeah. end in a way that is fine. Like it's fine. I could see what it was. I could see where it was going. I felt like I had the experience, but I also didn't care too much about like what actually happened. I guess I, I like visiting, mm. but I didn't want to live there because I could also Wikipedia to find out what happened. Yes. Like if I'm there for <laughs> plot, I can go find plot. 
But the pleasure of reading it was, what is this like? And I think I had a sense of what it was like. And you also, mm-hmm. I had your your warning in the background, like, it only gets more from here, yeah. like in every possible way. <laughs> One of the quotes on my, I have this 30th edition hardcover. I actually don't have it in front of me, but there's a quote from Piers Anthony that says, Robert Jordan is ellipses, 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 a lot of writer. And I think for good <laughs> or for ill, that is true. If yeah. you want a lot, you get a lot. If you want the all-you-can-eat fantasy buffet, yes. saddle up, baby. Let's go. Mm-hmm. If you want a more curated, elegant, refined experience, move on go down elsewhere. the line. Move on down. Pick up The Hobbit yeah. by itself. Just want, you know, that's that's kind of the other way to go through it. Um, what else? Should we, anything else you want to say about the book? Uh, I mean, you've read them. You've read so much more than I have. I don't know what else to say about the series as a progressive, except what you've said, which is it, it spaghettis and it just becomes more and more resplendent in itself as you go. How about the end? Is it a good ending? Like, don't tell me, but like, how do people feel about the series completion? Because Brandon Sanderson coming in, that, that must have been a big deal at the time for, yeah. for someone else to, to swoop in huge pressure on him you know and I remember feeling I was very middle of the road I was like all right like okay Okay. like I wasn't I wasn't throwing the book across the room but I wasn't also like doing victory laps Mm. around the room either I was just like okay like yeah I can see that and I will say I think it's important to know if you don't have any background in this Robert Jordan had mapped out the whole yes. series. All right. He had extensive notes. He had some things written. He had character diagrams. Lord only knows what that study looks like. Like, I can't even imagine. But he had mapped it all out. There's and a his shock. wife. Yeah, his wife Harriet, I know, right? His wife Harriet was very involved from behind the scenes and helped select Brandon Sanderson to finish it. And Sanderson had all of Jordan's notes to work. So he was not inventing anything. The books just needed to get written. So it's not like this is Brandon Sanderson's ending. No, no. This is Robert Jordan's ending written by Brandon Sanderson. The track had been laid down, but we need to build the train and the stations and everything else. And presumably this was where he was going to the whole time. So, you know, I I do remember the internet having a lot of feelings about it, but again, it's been a while and I I didn't bother to look up ending because I'm trying to, I actually only remember bits and pieces all also from those mm. final three books and I'm trying to preserve this sense now that we're rereading I'm trying to preserve the discoveries that oh, yeah, I make cool. as I go along because it's fun to be like wow how did I forget this entire giant plot point or character like how so anyway that's just to say that I don't think you could have had an ending that pleased everybody. It's just not possible. I think this is part of why we still haven't gotten the end of Game of Thrones Mm -hmm. because clearly Martin did not have it all mapped out and the public pressure is unfathomably high. And so I, you know, I would not want to be in his shoes in that regard. But I think it's, I think, I thought it was an interesting ending. Let's say it that way. I don't know that there's a more difficult artistic task than yeah. landing one of these franchise endings. Mm-hmm. You look at you look at you go back to The Godfather, right? right. Kind of the first right. modern IP that we know of that was a film. The third one is so bad. Yeah. And that's all the same people. Yeah. You know? And you look at Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker, right. not a great movie. You look yeah. at even something like and I think the Lord of the Rings movies for what they are are very well done. You look at the end of the last movie, it's like seven different endings. Like oh, wh- yeah. which one of those is their ending? 100%. And, and then Game of Thrones, it's like now we've got two. Martin doesn't know yeah. what he's doing, I guess, at this point or can't do it or whatever's going on there. You look at, you know, all these different kinds of stuff that's going on. 
this is his hardest thing to do. Luckily, I think for Sanderson, he's not in the position where Wheel of Time was a mainstream cultural thing. At least it was no. just that yeah. size because the very the stakes were high, but not billion-dollar IP high, which is what this is. This yes. Wheel of Time TV show is higher stakes than Brandon Sanderson's task ever was, which is weird right. to think about. Um but it really is. Any other notes about Jordan himself? We haven't talked about Jordan's biography. An interesting guy, a military dude. Um, wrote Conan books, I guess, for Tor. Pitched Tom Doherty at Tor. He's like, I've got this idea for a fantasy series. I think it's going to be three books. Tom Doherty's like, well, let's make it six because I know you go long. Little did he know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> sold well from the beginning. Sold well throughout. Um, number one New York Times bestseller. Each subsequent book, I think through book 13, I think is what I saw. Or actually through the last one even, and there was some controversy about, I guess you couldn't get the last one as an ebook for a while. Yeah. There wasn't day yes. and date. And there was yep. some discussion about Robert Jordan's wife said, well, we wanted the independent booksellers to have first crack at it. The mm-hmm. cynical view was if a bunch of people were buying on ebooks, which fantasy buyers do, then maybe it doesn't debut as number one on the New York. Anyway, there's, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. But it, it sold, it continued to sell very well. But I also think the thing, the pleasures of the text are also the thing that makes it a monster to try to adapt. So let's yes. use that as our transition. Unless there's anything else you want to say on the book, Jen, anything no, people should no, know if I they're think, getting into it? I think, uh, I think that's, I think we've told you everything you need to know yeah. <laughs> about <right>. the book. <laughs> Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing. All right, the adaptation. A lot to say here about how it came to be, the production and everything else. I think the most important thing to me is how ham-fisted is too wrong, is, is wrong. But it's not not right about Jeff Bezos saying, I want Amazon Prime to have a Game of Thrones. And went right. out and looked. And what did he buy? Wheel of Time. And the source material, to some degree, the Lord of the Rings IPs. Mm-hmm. And so we're getting a billion-dollar prequel thing for that. So I, I think this is – and I'm sure these people that are doing this must know this. I can't, I can't believe I'm the only person that, that someone on the production of these billion-dollar friends aren't saying, the thing about Game of Thrones, it wasn't like other things before. And I don't get this idea that the next Game of Thrones is going to be fantasy because Game of Thrones wasn't the next Lord of the Rings. It just wasn't. It was more like the next Sopranos than the next yes. Lord of the Rings from my sensibility. Yeah. So in terms of that as an idea, did this, does it ever have a chance to be the next Game of Thrones kind of a situation, Jen? Did you, did you ever think that there's a world in which this comes out? Because I don't think it's going to happen. I, I'm tipping my hand here. That this is like the next cultural juggernaut. I think people like it well enough. But I don't, I don't even know this had a shot. Am I wrong? What, what do you think about that? Well, I think, I think there's two different versions of I want the next Game of Thrones here. I think there's the version that you're talking about, which is like I want a totally unexpected prestige TV hit, which right. is you know how, how the Game of Thrones and Sopranos are the same thing, right? right. Like that's, Nobody knew when they made it what that was going to be like. I think there's the other version of I want the next Game of Thrones is I want a giant fantasy 
property that everybody is going to watch and fight about on the internet. Like that is a different reason why you want the next Game of Thrones, which absolutely this is. So in that regard, I think, yeah, like it, it is a moment. It's like a cultural moment for fantasy fans. I think it is attracting, I've seen from what I've seen, it's attracting viewers who were like, oh, I liked Game of Thrones. I don't really read fantasy, but I'll watch this because Mm -hmm. I liked Game of Thrones and it's beautiful. They have all the marketing dollars in the world, apparently, you know, they're like doing the thing. And so I think that in that sense, yes. On the other hand, right? Like, is it a standalone cultural moment? No, no, I don't think so. And I don't, I think that people who really wanted one, the the tone of Game of Thrones are not going to get that. So there's that as well. And I think I knew that going in, but it doesn't have the, I I don't know what word we're using for what Game of Thrones, it doesn't have the sexuality pieces. It doesn't have the real gore pieces. It doesn't have as much as the the darkness, darkness, right? You know, the darkness Mm -hmm. that humans bring, not the darkness that the the one dark one or whatever, because actually um, Wheel of Time has that more sort of distinctly drawn, even Mm -hmm. the White Walkers or something like that. But yeah, I mean, and I think you have have down here, and I think this is going to sound super weird, but I think you, you learn a lot about the needle that the show is trying to thread when you get one butt shot, you got one yes. butt shot in this initial four episodes <laughs> of Lan, um, who's the warder, who's the, I want to talk about that relationship too, because there's more I don't understand about yes. it, but like gets into a hot tub and you see his naked ass mm-hmm. and gets in and then sits there with another naked woman, a, a, you know, Rosamund Pike, an attractive woman, and he's an attractive guy and they sit there naked in the tub together and it feels like it doesn't know what to do. Like, are we, are they, what is this? And if it's Game of Thrones, it goes one way, right? Yeah. For sure. And if it's Lord of the Rings, we never get that scene. Like, there's no naked Gandalf ass yes. going on into this. So, like, <laughs> Preeti and I were talking about this, and we were theorizing that that's a very deliberate choice on the showrunner's part. There's like, here's the level of nudity and sexuality you're going to get. This okay. is it right here. Like, you're going to get Daniel Henney's butt. For like, you know, however long Daniel Henney's butt was on screen. Right. And like that. And that's all you're going to get for a little while. And (laughs) I can say, having seen more episodes than you, that there is more sexuality. You've seen more than four? I have seen more. Th- I did get screeners. I have. Jen, seen more you're bearing the lead here. Oh, so I know. Fancy. Good lord. Okay. I'm trying to. I'm trying to maintain this discussion to the. Yeah, first, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Well, at the three. end, I'm going to give you a little more. I'll okay. give you some ro- okay. room to run at the end. Okay. But but absolutely, I think they're sending. I think they are sending a message. Like if if you're looking for the Game of Thrones level sex, you're not going to get it. That's not what this show is. Yeah, which makes me wonder then who is it really for? Because I got to say, I told you I was going to have my kids. And they got yes. they were out in episode one. They're like, nope, too much were blood. They? Well, Perrin, yeah, I told you, I did say it was gory. You did, you did, you did. But also, that was a scene that wasn't in the book with Perrin's lady, right? Oh gosh, I, we're going to talk about. We're going to talk more. about that. But like, she's dying and bleeding out and coughing up blood. It's really, and that's not Wheel of Time yeah. vibes. That's not what happens in or in Eye of the World. That's not well, the kind of not described yeah. like that, Jen. No, no. Yeah. Wheel of Time, the book, the the books have a lot of horror elements. Yes. 
and like creep factor and like tension and stressful moments. But do they go into explicit gore? No, absolutely not. So you are correct. In her that bleeding sense. out and coughing up with oh, these yeah. axe with her pregnant yep. her pregnant belly. That's gorier than anything that happens in Lord of the Rings. It, it, just, it just is. I mean, I, I don't think there's any. Oh yeah. Oh dis- no, a hundred percent. This so is not. So I wasn't. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Right. Lord of the Rings is PG. Game of Thrones is R. Like right. it, that's like you know that's that's the spectrum we're working with here in terms but of ratings. But I I don't think it's I think it's too gory to be all ages Marvel, and yeah. I'm not sure it's hardcore enough to get mainstream adult viewers to care. I, I just I'm I feel like it's, it's a little neither. I think it's a little bit of neither. Now again we can talk about and then I'm I'm three episodes in so I'm not sure. And reading it on the page. On the page, it's much more tonally like Lord of the Rings in terms of yes. sex and violence. Yes. And they've ginned it up a little bit, but it mm-hmm. almost feels like sleight of hand of some kind. Don't notice what the other hand is doing while we try to distract you with a little bit more blood and butts. And I right. just felt like it didn't want to, it felt like it also didn't want to do it weirdly. I could feel the show not wanting to do those things mm. almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could have been projecting onto it myself a little bit there. Okay. Anything else on how it came to be? I mean, huge dollars, right? I mean, just yeah, in the- enormous amounts of money. I think it's you know worth noting that Rafe Judkins, who's the showrunner, is yeah. a longtime fan of the books, and like, there's this lovely story about how you know he grew up Mormon and realized he was gay as a teenager, and these books were one of the ways he connected with his mom. So like, he's coming to it from a very particular perspective, and I think that it is good and interesting what he's bringing to it. I wish that that they had gone a little bit farther in mm. the direction that they started to go in certain ways, but we'll get to that yeah, later. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, so, yeah. And I do think this is just, this is like a side quest for you. The licensing This story is a fascinating story. Of Wheel of Time is bonkers. It, they mentioned it in the GQ piece that we talked about earlier, which will be linked in the show notes, but like, it is one of the weirdest licensing stories that I have come across and is also why for a long time I did not trust that we were actually ever going to get this mm. series because we had been faked out before and it was unclear who actually owned the rights for a while. So it was like, this is never going to get made. Like A, it would cost too much. B, the licensing is a mess. Like th- it's never going to happen. Yeah. So it's an interesting moment to be like, oh, it really did happen. They, they had to spend a billion dollars and they figured out the licensing. But here we are. The the upshot of that piece is in order to hold on to the rights, someone had to do something with it by a certain date. So what yes. they did is made one episode of a Wheel of Time show and aired it at like midnight on Fox or something on a Friday <laughs> night. And that was it. And no one's ever seen it. it again, as far as I know. Nope. Just Just to sort of like you know, renew the copyright. They had to do something with it, um, which is super weird and fascinating. But I think there's a, let's talk about what's the the adaptation itself, our experience of it. I think I'm so glad the technology is where it is because the damn Mm. thing is unbelievable. I know I said this about foundation, but I think it's more true of this yeah. And I don't, I, I think some of it is they also went and spent the dollars, not just on the computer crap, but yes. on the set designs, on the yes. costumes, on these, jo- I, I can't imagine what they're shooting these 
mountain scenes in Bulgaria and like mm-hmm. Rand and Matt just standing there and there's like right. a helicopter like two miles away right. that comes zooming in on them and it looks just un- and I'm watching on a big TV like those are the scenes I, I did have a few jaw dropping moments like it feels like kind of weirdly it does feel like a different fantasy world to me this rocky yeah. eastern European terrain there's valleys and rivers and gorges and you're in these like tight little places as opposed to like there's a certain openness to Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. that's you know you mm-hmm. see these big New Zealand vistas and you know see orcs following the fellowship and they follow them over these grassy plains for a million years and all these horses right. this is much tighter and then the Game of Thrones worlds on the other end feels a lot more like you know medieval England and there's villages yes. and there's a there's a here it's a big wild space and you can just run into a group of sorcerers or a pack of talking mm-hmm. wolves or like anything could right. happen out there. So that part I really appreciate. How about you from a visual production design? What else stuck out to you, if anything? Oh, yeah. I I love how much care, especially the costume designers, took with like, you know, Jordan, one of the many things that he describes in his many describings is the way that everybody's hair is, right? So you get this, like, this so braid is talk. significant. And you get that everybody's skirts are divided. And you get there's, like, embroidery on this coat, but not on this coat. And the colors are important. And they are really doing it. I mean, I especially loved how, for example, the women's braids in the Two Rivers in Episode 1 are actually more specific to their hair type. They all have mm. a braid. But they each get their own kind of braid that is appropriate for them which is really amazing and I think you know also visually this is this is just as important to mention it is incredibly racially diverse within populations so you don't have like a European population and then you know a more African inspired population and then maybe a more Asian inspired population no like all of the populations there are distinct populations there's the two rivers you know you've got the villagers who live in that mine town you've got all of these different people but inside of those populations it's incredibly racially diverse which is which is really wonderful to see yeah and I think that also gives it a sense of expansiveness from the get-go, right? Like, you know, where the Shire you're building out from like these little like, you know, Anglo-Saxon villages Mm -hmm. and whatever diversity you inquire, there's going to be a whole race of different people. And aren't they different? And aren't they, they're either orcs or not, or they're bad from the the East or not here. It's like you encounter different groups of people, but their race isn't a signifier for who they are. They have a belief system. They have a way of life. You know, they're either, you know, white cloaks or the way of the Mm -hmm. leaf. And so you get to know them on their own terms without shorthand for they're people of the desert, you know, just right. to use one kind of example from yes, Dune or no, something absolutely. like that, which yep. is, is pretty cool. I guess let's let's then, because it's, it's fantastic to look at, no, no expense as far as I can see spared. They really put all their chips on the table. Again, mm-hmm. we're talking about a one and a half trillion dollar company. If anyone got the scratch, anyone got the, you know, yeah. the CEO then at the time, Bezos isn't now saying, this is what I want. Money is not going to be the problem here. How about let's talk about choices um, that we've seen at least through the first few episodes that and how it's diverged. I think. Yeah. I don't know where you want. Why don't you go first? I, I can follow up on mine first. Well, how about this the choices is interesting to me. I wanted to come back to this because you refer to Layla as pregnant, which is not something that I think is actually stated. Oh, really? I actually thought so. Okay. So let's talk about, let's rewind for a second. So one of the big differences is that they have aged the characters up a bit. 
they're like they're very teenagery in mm-hmm. the books and they're much more like I think they're supposed to be like 19 or 20 in the show so they're a little older and they've given Perrin a wife yes who doesn't have any lines she's uh-huh. zero lines she's unhappy about something we don't know what because she's taking it out speaks. on an anvil taking on an she, anvil she's a blacksmith they don't apparently. seem to have any real connection aside from standing near each other yep. in a few shots and then yes in this epic battle sequence Perrin accidentally murders her I actually interpret it as because there is like a weird focus on the stomach but I thought it was a miscarriage situation that she had like recently uh, miscarried and be. that's why she was upset but it's never that we don't know anything about her we don't know how long they've been married for we don't know how we don't know we have we do not see their relationship on screen I hate I hate this choice not only because she's just a nothing burger of a character but because the only reason for her to be there is to traumatize parents like that's all it's a fridging it's a classic it's a classic very tired trope that I hate and I'm just so frustrated that they did it in the first episode because it really it was a real disappointment for me because I see them making other smart choices in terms of representation and, you know, male and female. Like the show, for example, w- says right off the bat, the dragon is going to re- be reborn, but we don't know if it's a man or a woman. Like it right. could be either, which is interesting, right? It's playing a little bit more with the two genders that the world will allow. Well, apparently there's only two genders <laughs> in the Wheel of Time world, uh, male and female, but at least like we have a little bit more play between them here. And and there's more queerness represented um, on the screen. However, yes. we still have a fridging, which I just, it, I find it infuriating and also pointless because it doesn't, I mean, she's, it's, there's no emotional resonance there because they, they introduce the character barely and then she's dead. It's just, it's just horrifying to watch. That's all. I, it, it's a real own goal for a lot yeah. of reasons. One, because on the one hand, if it's in the book, you may, Forgive it's not the right thing, but you may understand that they're trying to be faithful right. to the backstory of some kind. So if it's right. Dorn's mistake and you, re- there's something to be said for that, you know, if that's part of the character story. But it doesn't help anything. The only thing now, maybe if we look at, maybe if I look at it through the, what are they trying to do? Because I don't think successful right. what they're trying to do. Rand, everybody else has sort of like a thing that they're carrying yeah. around with them. Like I've got my Heron sword. Not enough Heron sword talk. In a no, TV I show. agree. Come on, the Heron sword. We got to talk more about the bird sword. <laughs> but you know. The the wisdom, Egwene, right. Matt, they all, they're taking something from, they're taking badges. And this is true in the book. I would say that Perrin doesn't have much of a character in the book. At least in the first one, there's not a lot going on. Yeah. Eventually, it's like Jordan's like, oh, let's give him something. Maybe he can talk to wolves. Okay, that's fine. Though we have nothing else to do there. So here he takes with them this other thing. I don't think he needed it. I don't think it helps. I don't think it does anything. No. Plus, it's the trope, as you say. So that's a yeah. re- that as of an addition that was clearly just something they added. Yeah, it sucks that that's what it was because it was so gross and so yeah. bad at the same yes. time. Yes, it's like it just doesn't. It's like it's it's even it's right like you said it doesn't work. It doesn't so like work. they've completely own goal is a good way to say it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's very frustrating. Uh, I think on like that aside and also some colorism issues that maybe we'll touch on. Yeah. In a let's bit. let's I, stop there for a second because okay. there's a lot of cat. There's a, the racial diversity is really interesting. And yes, you also get different skin tones and I hadn't yes. thought of, I haven't read much about the criticism or anything. So I, I hadn't re- realized, but I think what I see you're saying is there's a couple of characters that are much darker skinned and the two men that are darker skinned are 
chaotic to chaotic evil as presented yes. in the show for sure. And then some people who die are darker skinned earlier in the show as well. Is that is am I on the right track here with what people are saying, what you've seen? Yeah, particularly the two uh, characters. Eamon Valda is the white cloak character, yeah. and then Padden Fane is the is the you know sort of merchant, yes. uh, chaotic potentially. We're not really sure what his deal is, but mm-hmm. they are significantly darker skinned than anybody else who's been presented as good. And I think both of them are amazing casting choices in terms of acting ability for those roles. Like they own those roles and as a fan of the books I know a lot about those characters and I'm (laughs) so excited to see what those actors do with it but they didn't they clearly didn't consider that yeah I I think my my guess is always that they're trying to like well inside of this world colorism isn't a thing so I don't have to worry about that I will just colorblind cast and everybody gets the role that they get and we're good to go like bada bing bada boom but you can't I don't think you can remove in world from out world because your viewers live in the out world and bring their context to it and I Mm -hmm. think there's a lot of there's a couple scenes in particular of Valda the white cloak like touching Moiraine he's a black a very dark man touching a white woman like in very uncomfortable ways Mm -hmm. um things like that that I think would be hard to watch as a viewer of color knowing everything you know about your own lived experience and seeing that those, you know, sort of weird moments represented on the screen, I think it, I think it pulls you out of it. Um, Now, that being said, I think, again, the show is trying to do right by its characters of color, whether or not they're going to continue to succeed to do that. Like we'll have to see, but it's, so it's, it's, it's not like a, it's not, I don't think an own goal necessarily the way the Layla character is, but it is something that I think is worth noting. Yeah. I think it's something that again, if you move a, one or two casting choices around you don't have the problem like you're you're doing so well in so many other places that it does seem like a weird blind spot to have yeah probably the two most you know i guess menacing human mm-hmm. characters be dark-skinned black dudes it's not what you like to see i, I don't know right. how else to say it it's not like to see at this right. point in the, in the thing um let's see where else do we want to go all right here's the big question is this a good adaptation, Jen? Yeah, I I actually think that it is. I was super skeptical and I was so frustrated by a couple of the things in that first three episode drop. But what I will say they've done right is they have shifted the focus right to Moiraine. In most of book one, yes. you're in Rand's head, right? It's very much a Rand POV. And they have really shifted the focus to Moiraine, which I think was smart mm-hmm. because it introduces this element of, we really don't know who the Dragon Reborn is if you haven't read the books because you're not in any of their heads. You don't know. Yeah, in the book, I thought I figured out pretty quick who the dragon was. So right. that that was pretty well... That's a mystery box that was not utilized to its full extent. Because I love this idea of the chosen one spin of like, well, here's our five, or in the book right. it's three, and here's our yeah. five, and we're going to see, and all of them have a reason they are, mm-hmm. and all of them have their reason are, and let's play it out, and that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. But in order to do that, you're right, you have to make them more equal on the ground. And the way to do that is center on Moraine. And then Pike is great. I mean, my favorite single thing, my favorite single moment in the series so far is Moraine and the I get the fellow. I don't know what to call it. Do they have a word for this? The fellowship. I mean, I could use the same thing. The fellowship trap riding <laughs> on their horses, and she tells them a story of the two rivers that they don't really know of an yes. ancient history thing, and it's just her being Rosamund Pike 
telling a story about this old battle and how noble they were and how they come from old stock and boy, this should take heart from this. And then that, that was my favorite bit. And that's all Pike. Well, it's not all Pike. It's Jordan backstory, like really wallowing in details and really caring yeah. about this thing that happened who God knows how long ago it, everything matters. Here's another thing about Jordan. Everything matters. Right. A- literally everything matters. So yes. this little story comes back in other places. You know, we find out later that Nineveh had been saying something in this old tongue. Like it, all these pieces start connecting. But the hinge, the, sp- the, the spoke, if you will, of the wheel here is Moraine and Pike's performance. And I think it was super smart to cast her. Casting is magic. We can talk about that more in a minute. But mm. focusing on her. And then you bring in the Aes Sedai, which I think from a fantasy world building as a pop culture consumer fantasy, this like multiple faction group mm-hmm. of, of women is unbelievably interesting. And especially yeah. in episode four where we get the red and the green and the blue and they're all infighting, but mm-hmm. they're all they're also on the same side. Like I was like, yes, this is what I this is what I'm in for. Now that's not in the book the first book, as I recall. I hope I didn't skip that. No, that it's whole part. not. You it takes a little while to get to that. Yeah. yeah. And I think it was smart to skip to there because Eye of the World is so much like, and again, one of my big critiques of the book is, look how big this city is. Guys, we've never seen a city this big. Oh my God, what about, uh, but this is this, there's like six cities in a row, Jen. Yeah. I can't keep, I can't, Tarvalon is how much bigger than Galvadon, which is how much right. bigger than White Bridge. Like, come on, you're killing me here. But having said that, this big makes the world bigger and more complicated faster, which yes. I think really helps. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know the the future fate of the Aes Sedai in the series. Can you, I don't know, how, how do you think the, the, what do you make of them bringing that forward and centering it more than the book does, at least the first one? Yeah, I think, I think they made a lot of smart pacing choices. Like you said, they collapse all of the, like, because the Two Rivers kids in, in the Eye of the World do go on this journey of, like, progressively bigger yes. towns, villages, cities, and they're like, wow, okay, we know nothing. Like, they, they really have their minds blown by the expansiveness <laughs> of the your world mind being blown like all the time it's like wow, all the time you, you they just get, they don't know anything don't. yeah exactly and so and and i think it was very smart to collapse that journey and to like accelerate it yeah so i think that was smart i also do think they've they've really taken a lot of liberties with the Aes Sedai. a lot mm. of what we're seeing on the screen is more or less not precisely but more or less uh part of the backstory that you eventually learn in you know subsequent books but they have brought it forward especially the infighting which is hugely significant in the series as it goes along oh is it okay i wondered i wasn't there's some hints of like the emerald seed and this and all that stuff and i was like okay it seems like there's a lot more palace intrigue there than i imagined but oh yeah it's it's enormous but it's interesting actually because the show, if and I think this is a dead giveaway too. You know the the opening sequence is all Aes Sedai iconography, right? Mm. It's you get this like weaving wheelie, you know, thing concept, but it's what the image that is being woven is of one different woman from each of the different colors of the different ajas of the Aes Sedai, and that's the uh. whole. That's the opening. There's no dragon. There's no no wheel. There's no wheel. There's no tavern. Like it's just, it's just yeah. the Aes Sedai, and the Aes Sedai infighting is important and hugely significant. But it's also part of all of these other political unrest and coups, and who's in charge of what, and who gets the power of this and that and the other thing. So 
They, I think that I wonder if that's a Game of Thrones lesson. Do you think of like we need mm, the we need maybe. the Starks and we need the Lannisters. We need like right. dissension among equals because otherwise it's these rubes yeah. being led around by a sorceress to parts yeah. unknown, and that's right. Doesn't have the same I don't know tension uh, yeah. of various vectors. That's that's pretty fascinating to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my one of my notes for for old Jordan here is pick a metaphor. Is it a wheel? Is it a loom? <laughs> like what's happening? What pre-industrial means of production are we talking about here? The wheel weaves, they keep saying. Yep, it does. I I don't understand that. Anyway, uh, a minor point to be sure. Um, We talked about Phrygian colorism, talked about how we don't get enough heron, uh, sword, anything else that you wish the show was doing a little bit differently at this point? Any itches that aren't being scratched in a way you'd like them to be scratched? Well, I do think that there are some pacing issues with the first three episodes in that like episode one is all like fighty, 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 like really yeah. intense, actiony, actiony. Episode two is like a lot slower and a lot of exposition, you know, literally Moiraine for five minutes telling them a story on a horse. That's the only thing that's happening. And then episode three, I think it starts to balance it out a little bit better. Um, I also do love, 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 love in terms of character interactions, Moiraine and Lan, yes, but Nynaeve and Lan, oh my goodness, I'm such a fan of the way that they're moving a lot of things that happen in that relationship forward as well. It's it's really lovely. Oh, but that reminds me, actually, Jeff, you said something interesting about how you don't understand Moiraine and Lan's relationship. Tell me about that. Well, so they say, and again, some of it's how they shoot it. I actually felt like I understood it more on the page, if that makes sense, like almost like a knight and a squire situation is kind of what I get. But there's a way, again, knights and squires don't bathe naked together, Jen. I don't think. And there's this well, the scene. the squire doesn't get to go in the well, tub. Well, that's what I'm saying. in the room. There's yeah. more of an equal situation here in this relationship I get. And then there's a there's there's this campfire scene in the movies where all the mm-hmm. wards are sitting around. Yes. And then when it's time for the Aes Sedai to go to bed, they like come and collect their ward. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a little weird. And then the way they touch each other and the way they're sitting. And I don't know if it's me like doing a will they, won't they? Like, what am I supposed to be yeah. understanding here? Because again, the gender, the gender binary stuff is so strong mm-hmm. that it's hard to say like, this is some sort of like romantic platonic thing or like what right. is going on here? So it, at any moment in the show, if they like, jump into bed together, I wouldn't be surprised. Also, <laughs> I'm not expecting it at the same right. time. Does that, right. I don't know, does that help at all? I'm confused a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you're not the only one. We Preeti and I have talked about this as well, and I've heard from other folks that they do find that they're not sure what they're supposed to be understanding about those relationships. Yeah. I don't know why I don't I don't have that same it seems to me, especially with that. You understand scene. that they're constantly boning, is what you're saying. Yeah, like that's just happening. No. All- no, I'm kidding. I know, I understand yeah, yeah. that they're like platonic. Like I it's actually really funny. There's this sequence uh where early on in the two rivers where Lan is saying nothing and yes. Moiraine is like, you think this, we need to do this. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's like, it is that ocean's eight, you know, mm-hmm. moment between. You think we uh, need one more. You think we need yeah, one more? Yeah, exactly. We'll exactly. Yeah. Right. And so, and that's like, it's like a, it's a friendship. Well, it's, I don't think friendship is the right word. It's a very deep, but platonic relationship is how I read it, especially because, and I, again, I think this was a deliberate choice on their part. They put them in a bath naked together and nothing. They're not even sitting close to each other. There's mm-hmm. no, you know, will they want the chemistry in that moment. They're just having a conversation. And I think it's awkward. I think it's really awkward the way that they did it. But to me, that is 
in my head, that's a signifier of this is not a romantic relationship. However, we do get the warders who are clearly in yeah. at least a sexual, if not romantic relationship with their Aes Sedai later on in the episode. So, oh, so if you, go, you can go either way. Yeah, do, it's, oh, like there's a, okay. there's a range of, of relationships here. But regardless of, of the manifestation of those relationships it is clearly like they lean really hard into you don't understand this bond it's such a deep bond like this bond is a bond you're yeah. like okay i got it it's a bond yes. it's a, yeah yeah and the book is like this too it's like okay and it's like physical it's like metaphysical too yes. or magical there's some yeah. other piece that's going on they can feel each other's pain mm-hmm. and all the stuff that's going on there i think even just a little direction like i think you said something smart uh, for sure about the colorism like in the world it can make sense or not yes. matter but we don't live in that world so right. we need a little like cultural pointing one yeah. of the like Rand or you know, Egwen saying like, so do you guys like you know do a bump fist like and they're like no that's some do but that's not us like that's right. all I would need it's right. like not that hard they're they're viral beautiful twenty somethings they got to be wondering too right. I'm not the only perv here I can't be the only one that's wondering what's going on no I don't think you are I don't think you are I his, think they his haven't... name is Mandragon for God's sakes I mean come on. Or isn't it? What is it? Mandragon. It's Mandragon. It? Okay, it's Mandragon. Yeah, here's my naked friend Mandragon, but we don't have a. It's not physical, even though we're both completely gorgeous. It's oh. fine. Well, you're gonna get. I will just say there's interesting developments down the line. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Around, yeah, yeah, around yeah. sexuality and in in the show, I'm saying they, there's some there's some fun stuff coming up. So again, I I I think it's an interesting idea of this like knight squire that's more than that, and also. Yeah. I think it's very cool, but it was just a little bit in between, an uncanny valley uh, mm-hmm. of like kind of, because I just, I'll believe whatever. Just tell me what the deal is. Like, I'm believing that she can sure. do almost all magic at all times. Like, a little overpowered, can we say? I don't know. That's another point I was wondering. She, here. yeah, it, especially because in the books, you know, you have all of these like tools that can help an Aes Sedai yeah. do more, right? We have the Angreal. Um, but in the show, we don't, I don't, we're not getting any of that. So no. it's just like, look at what Moira, she can literally pull earth power out of a mountain and chuck tons of rocks out of, you know, out of buildings at Trollocs and. But, you yeah. know, she can't heal herself, but she can do all these other things. It's like very, she, she, I would say, in the same way that I think we saw in the Star Wars universe where the Jedi suddenly are, like, able yeah, to do all this stuff right. that you're like, wow, when did they get to be able to do that? Like, yeah. I do think we're seeing extremely strong channeling. And there's some discussion, you know, I think it's episode four where they finally talk about, like, varying strengths. Like, mm-hmm. oh, only X, Y, and Z are strong enough to hold Logan and blah 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 but you know it's a uh, it is it's a lot of power getting thrown around no doubt yeah let's see what else um we kind of did the stuff it doesn't do as well I think your point here about Perrin and Rand we get this is just one thing that books do better on the yes. whole is internal development thinking thinking watching observing feeling yeah hard to do I think I don't know that this dude Josh Stradowski is a good or bad actor I just think what Rand is in the book is hard to do on screen um yeah I just don't I know think- man you know, Yosha Stradowski, he, it is a hard role because he's been given the boy next door role. Like he's yep. a homebody. You know, the show sets it up like he wants to get married and have kids and stay on the farm. Like that's what he wants to do. That's not a personality. Nope. But that's all he gets. So you're just like, okay, I guess this is who he is. And we do get to see, I think there are several great character moments where Mm -hmm. we see more from Rand. I think, you know, Rand and Egwene's complicated relationship is like a little bit of a moment for them to to do some character work. Uh, But, and, and, you know, Perrin, 
I, 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 Perrin is honestly one of my favorite characters really? from the books from way back. And his writing, though, in the books is extremely uneven. And the show also does not know what to do with no, him. No, it doesn't know what to do with him. So I, I am bummed that those actors, I can't tell if they're just like not getting things to do or yeah. what. But it, it, is a, it is a bit of a bummer. I love, though, I mean... I think Zoe Robbins as Nynaeve is amazing. Daniel Henney, obviously yep. a great, a great land. We talked about Rosamund Pike already. She's a standout for sure. I like Egwene, but you have this note here that you're not sold. I, th- I think it's she's fine. I mean, look for me with casting, it's kind of a binary. Do my eyes do I miss them when they're off screen? Mm. Right, it's kind of how I think about this. And the people I miss when they're off screen right now, I miss Matt Barney Harris. Is oh, Matt, Matt I think is he's so good. Unbelievable. Yes. I think. Yeah. Probably the character who pluses up his character in more than the book. It's some of it's yes. the writing, but I think he's just he's unbelievable. Barney Harris is unbelievable because he doesn't I get have... a whole lot to do. Um, but but I, he does it so well. I do have to say this is maybe you don't know this already. Hmm. Barney, Har- Barney Harris is not returning for season two. They what? have had they have had to recast Matt. We don't know why. Everybody's been asking. They will not say. And so oh, that's a real shame. I'm real. Yeah. Bum- I'm really yeah. sad to hear that because I really like what he was doing. He's very good. He's very good. It is a real it is a real I don't know. Again, I have no idea what happened. I'm really hoping it's something benign like he got double booked. Um, yeah. But but we do we are not we're going to get a new Matt in season. Well, two. I'll tell you what, it's not because of on screen performance. Whatever no, the reason is, it's not because I think it's him, him and Pike. Again, Henny doesn't get to do. I mean, that's land, like the strong, silent yes. type. So, but you you like what you hear, and then Zoe Robbins, I think my eye just goes to her every time yes. as well. And then because I don't know what's happening, Kate Fleetwood as Leandrin comes on oh, a very yeah. striking look. <laughs> She's hunting dudes down, taking no mercy, um, gentling them. I think the yes. euphemism they use is so that was one character that. I didn't. I was new to me and was found mm-hmm. very striking. She's an unusual looking person and plays a very interesting way. My, where's my Gleeman? Why do we go grim dark oh, for my Gleeman, Jen? What's I, going on here? I this I also did not love, and it's not about the acting. It's about the way they've written him, and yes. he is like the grunge rock, like version of Tom Marilyn. I understand they aged him down a bit for for what I think are good reasons, because in the books the age difference becomes an issue. It's a weird one. For a reader, yeah, at a certain point. Uh, But that they made him so... Yeah, grungy for lack of a better word. He's he's not the same Tom Marilyn in the books. I my jury is still out. I think the actor's very good. There's I think the actor is moments, good. I agree with you. I think he's you know, actually very good. Yeah, and the moments that he has with Matt in particular when they're in that mining town, you know, about the right. Aiel and like, you know, learning a little bit more about the world, I think are good. I just I'm yeah, I'm nervous about that one. Huge Aragorn vibes from our Glee in the TV <laughs> yeah, you're show. Right, Enormous you're right. Aragorn vibes. You're right. Uh, so there's that. Let's see. We talked through that. Any other favorite moments? I guess I told mine the Manatherian writing and talking. Maybe that's the show I want. I just want stories. You just from want old, the writing uh, and talking version. On there. You, you want to say so more about the you know, costuming or look and feel? Anything else there? Well, I thought the Shadar Lagoth stuff was very good. I thought that, you know, Wait, when they go into the, again? The, the creepy empty city with the oh, black that yeah, comes don't out. Don't take and stuff. Don't touch anything. Don't no, touch literally anything. Literally, don't touch anything. Even yes. that beautiful knife. Please don't. Yep, okay, Matt, yep. come on. Tough look I, for my guy. <laughs> And uh, and the way that they split them up, you know, which 
which has to happen for lots of reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought that one was done very well. And I did also, I was very concerned at the end of episode one, right? Because we see Nynaeve getting dragged off by a Trolloc. Oh, and then we don't yeah. see her again until literally the last seconds of episode two. And then in episode three, we find out what happened to her. And I was just like, if they don't bring her back, I'm going to murder somebody. But the way they brought her back, I found so satisfying and true to the character. I also, speaking of that character, they did a thing where they gave her a backstory very early on. She has this conversation with Moiraine about why she hates the Aes Sedai. She has a reason. Oh, that was new, wasn't it? I don't think and I knew the book well enough to pick up on not in the books. Yeah. And her feelings about the Aes Sedai in the book are sort of mystifying. It doesn't mm -hmm. really, there's no hook to hang it on. So I love that they gave her a concrete reason for her then to act the ways in which she's going to. I thought that was so smart. I thought that was really smart. Yeah, that's a great point because that is one thing in the book is with, with both um, Egwene and how do you say Zoe Robbins character? Nynaeve. Nynaeve. I'm not going to get that right that's anytime okay. <laughs> soon. They both don't, they both are very skeptical of Aes Sedai, less so Egwene, yes. but like you're women with magical powers. Like it kind of makes sense that you would be interested in what's going on with them. And I agree. Yeah. Like her reticence to like have anything to do with them doesn't, frankly, the whole in the book, the we hate the Aes Sedai thing yeah. doesn't pay off. It just no. doesn't make any sense to me in mm -hmm. Eye of the World. Like there's no, again, maybe it's supposed to be some stand in for misogyny or witches or anything like that. But yeah. like everyone's like, they said Aes Sedai is the worst. Only thing you see them do in the book is helpful to everyone right. involved. So it's like right. there's some weird disconnect there. So a little bit of, and I think that's one thing that was helpful by having Leandrin come in mm -hmm. earlier and be like hunting hunting this dude down and just yes. like, okay, you can see even if they have good reasons for doing that, which I think we ultimately understand that they do, that they, the way they do that is... Mm -hmm. Um, I guess by fiat in a way that doesn't yes. feel in a way that makes sense. Other notes, tough look for the tinkers. I'm not in love with the <laughs> costuming there. I don't know. It's like they, they got leftover Godspell uniforms. <laughs> I'm not sure what that is. Though I do really like Daryl McCormick as Aram Aram. I'm not sure. He's he was wonderful. Great. He's, He's wonderful. really good. I found myself saying, I don't know what the future of the Tinkers in the story, but that'd be great. Maybe they're casting him as Matt. Like, can we just do a little bait and switch? If that guy has to go away, he's the one I would save. <laughs> I thought he was really great too. Yeah, he's he sticks around. I'm happy to tell you. Oh, good. I'm around. glad. I'm glad. I really like in the book the Tinkers, the Way of Leaf people. I think that was very yes. cool. I think visually, it's a little more clown car than mm. um, traveling people. To I didn't me, mind it. I perfectly honest. I really loved the wagons, but I, I do was like the wagons. I, I, I confess, like I wasn't really paying attention to the costuming there. I was more obsessed with why does everybody have dreads, including the white ladies. Like, well, that's I'm not what I was super dread, on board the dreads with that choice. Short, the dreads is short term shorthand for alternative lifestyle. I think yeah, is a little. I don't need. That's come on. We no. can do better than that. We can, we can exactly. You can do better than that. But but yeah. Aram, that actor, yeah, he is magnetic. He's really good. So good. So, Jen, I'm going to let's take one last break here and then I'm going to have you do the best you can to give tip your hand about what's coming in, <laughs> in the way that makes sense to you. Jen, you have the floor. All right. Well, I haven't seen the full season yet. I will Fair. say that. I haven't seen. I've seen through episode six. And, and there's eight? There's eight. There's okay. going to be two more. Which come out around on Christmas, the finale. The finale <laughs> comes out on Christmas, which is a choice, let me Whoa. tell you. Yeah, uh, I think that I think they have made some very smart decisions. I think that the episodes get better as they go on. A lot of my issues with the pacing are 
I have less, let's just say I have less pacing issues as we get into episodes four, five, and six. Mm -hmm. I think they also, again, they're bringing certain things forward and they reinterpret a major character relationship in a way that I am 1,000% on board for. Oh, okay. So they do some really, they continue to make interesting and smart choices. And I think, you know, this plays into two questions that that we've talked about on this show and try to hit every time, which is like, you know, is is this is this a definitive yeah. adaptation? Like, not only is it a good adaptation, but is it definitive? And I think, you know, just again based on the six episodes of season one I have seen so far, I think it would be very hard to do this again anytime soon. I mean, Judkins has has an eight season arc planned, is what I understand. Hmm. So if if he is allowed to do everything, there will be eight seasons, which is you know roughly two-ish books give or take per season yeah and i think that you a you can do it i mean they're gonna have to they're gonna have to eliminate a lot of things and i do i know already some folks are upset that you know we have not met certain characters yet that wait who am i missing oh well so we haven't met min yet for example we also haven't met elaine sorry say who's that so min is a young woman who works in a tavern in bear and who sees visions. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and yeah. then So many taverns, Elaine, Jen. I can't remember which yeah, I know, tavern is I know. what. Good Elaine Lord. is the daughter heir of Andor. Uh, that's a cool scene. Yeah, that's yes. a cool scene. Yes, and we haven't gotten either of them yet. We do know their cast. Uh-huh. So how they're going to be integrated, big question mark. Um, but, you know, I think, so again, I think that, you know, there are always going to be purists who, like, want it to be as close to the source material as possible. But as we talked about with the Dune episode, like, I actually think that's not a great choice sometimes and i think especially with so much to choose from you're gonna have to pick and choose so far i think they're making really interesting choices and i'm really curious to see where they go with the finale i do the season one finale you're like where where do we end the season one finale? where do we i mean i think i think i know where we're gonna end plot wise Mm. but like how exactly how we get there is is an open question too there's a lot of ground to cover in episodes five six seven eight if i'm getting to the end of eye of the world plus that's a lot of ground jen it's a lot it's a lot and i think that you know Oh shoot! I lost my thought. No, that's I okay. had another thought. Well, in you're there. the meat on the bone. You know, like if you get all the. So I, yes. I think that's a good way of putting it. So like, I think there's kind of three factors that go on into it's a definitive adaptation. One, if it's if it's hugely popular and they get to yeah. the finish line, then it is just by definition. Now, right. if it doesn't do that, you can land in this in between zone, right? Well, so let's mm. look at the '84 Dune, right? That's a great right. example. It wasn't good, and it was weird, and it had a very particular spin on it so a more mm-hmm. straightforward attempt like frankly i think villeneuve's is a much more straightforward attempt in all the kinds of ways sure. than 84 i think there's meat on the bone to just play it straight right mm-hmm. and then if the, the original adaptation plays it straight then you can put a spin on it though i have to say we don't see many examples of like, like we haven't seen a harry potter we haven't seen a lord of rings redone we haven't seen yeah. a sopranos redone we see prequels and stuff well that's not true oh yeah i guess that's right the sopranos yeah. is a prequel but yeah, we haven't right. seen we're taking harry we're taking luke we're taking Frodo and we're running it back and we're just recasting. Right. We just haven't seen that. So in, if it, unless it gets canceled after season one, I think it's either going to be so dominant in people's minds, like, why are we doing this now? Or yeah. people are going to be like, so Bezos and Amazon spent $2 billion on this and I'm supposed to get it right when they did? Right. How am I supposed to do that? <laughs> right, right. I think that's so right. So I think it's already passed that test of. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's going to get multiple seasons. I think it's going to get enough 
runway mm. that no one's going to look at it and be like, you know what, if I only had more money and time. Yeah. Or, you know, like, I just don't think it's going to be that way. I'm going to keep watching it. I guess that's, you know, yeah, it's that a binary. Was my I'm going to keep watching question it. Question for you. Yeah. Are yeah. you going to keep going? Yeah. But you don't need to, you're not going to keep reading, right? I, I see. It's, that's one of those in for a penny, in for the pound. At the, if I crack one more, Jen, <laughs> I, I, I do feel like I got what I needed. Mm-hmm. Do I want more is the question. And there's yeah. other things to read, like you were saying before. Oh, there's, there there's are. Just, there's so many other things to read, mm-hmm. and I, now I have the series. Right. 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 L- O'Neill's Razor, though, is very happy with Wheel of Time, though. It, it ah. protects the realms of men because they're all done. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It protects the realms of Jeff, I guess, as it were. Yeah. So that, that, that's the other piece that's leading me towards, like, at least it's all there. Yes. Um, whereas this No Man's Land I am with King Killer Chronicles and other things oh, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So are, are you sound, I'm, I'm glad to hear you sounding, not without, of course, your um, whatabouts and couldn't mm-hmm. evades, but on the whole, you seem in good feather here, Jen. You seem in good feather about this. Yeah, I think I'm like 70-30 okay. pro. I feel like there's a not small chunk of things that I really wish they had done better. Yeah. And obviously, I haven't seen the final two episodes yet, so I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, this is a home run until right. I know how we're getting that. But of what I've seen, I'm like 70%. I think this is smart and interesting. Yeah. Well, as I say, we talked about foundation. I'm off foundation. I stopped after episode five. I'm like, I can't hang, man. I'm I sorry. never picked I, it back up, Jeff. I, I meant to go back and keep going, and I just haven't. I just I, haven't. I watched one more after we talked, and I'm like, this isn't, I'm not sure what this is, but it's not foundation, right? I mean, there's some of the stuff, right. but like, you know, it's just, I wasn't into it. Well, um, and it, but, it, for me, it wasn't even that it's not foundation. I just, I, was, I got too lost, and I'm, I'm not willing to invest. Well, that's a thing, right? If it was yeah. really good, not foundation, I'm right. in. Or if right. it was, let's do foundation and see how it plays, I'm in. But like, it's neither fish nor fowl. It's neither yeah. not foundation or, or foundation. Or this one, I think, I, I guess the other smell test for me, does it feel like Wheel of Time? It feels like Wheel of Time. The, yeah. At least the, it feels like the book to me. Absolutely. It, it's condensed. I've got one thing to throw at you as an idea. And mm. maybe we'll end on this. I found myself wanting to start out with a movie, like make it the first experience. Cause I do the thing I felt missing. And again, I don't know. I'm, I'm a homebody. I'm a romantic. I don't know what, I think I want more time in two rivers Yeah, just to start. And, and I know you have a billion dollar franchise. You're trying to get people who are into game of Thrones interested. And that ends with white walkers and incest and people right. getting thrown off towers. Right. I totally get what I get wanting to end with Moraine, you know, doing mm-hmm. lightning from the sky and uh, Tai Chi electricity stuff. I get right. that's what you're trying to do. But I think there is something to be said for dwelling in this world because then you set up so much other things later. But I think if you yeah. start with a two-hour movie, you can spend 25 minutes mucking about in two rivers and still have 95 minutes of like, let's get out and we enter Trollocs. And you get more with land. I mean, one of my favorite scenes is um, Rand and his dad fighting and then yeah. figuring it out and handing off the sword. And yeah. you, get, you get a lot more sense that there's more to his dad there. Our one mm-hmm. Game of Thrones crossover, we get Bruce... Uh, uh, Elder Bolton, one of the great bad guys, mm. um, second only to his bastard son, weirdly, in yeah. Game of Thrones. But like, 
I found myself wanting to dwell a little bit more than that, just to give us a firmer base for the craziness to come. Absolutely. And the characters, like we said, they haven't done great characterizations with random Perrin. They could have done more there. You could have seen, you know, Perrin's relationship with, you know, the blacksmiths, for example, and like maybe we could have actually had a reason for Layla to exist. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I totally agree. And I had said it on the on the other podcast. I, I don't understand why they didn't, at the very least, do a two-hour pilot that was episodes one and two, but spaced out a little differently because it was so, like, action-focused and then information-focused. I think there's a there was a better way to do that. Yeah, And I, I think, think yeah, if I think you had done the two-hour right. pilot, you could have done it that way. So I don't really understand. I also think the fact that they dropped all three episodes, the first three episodes all at once, says to me they knew that you needed all three. Like, yes. I can see that if you finished episode one and two and three weren't there, you might not keep going because you're not, there's yeah. not a lot of there there for these characters. Whereas if you make it to the end of episode three, I think you're in, right? Like, I think you want to know what's going right. to happen. I think you're right. And on, on the other hand, though, I think the shape of episode one was trying to hook you by the end yeah. because the crescendo there is Moraine bringing yes. the heat. Yes. So it was trying to give you a climax there that would then launch you. Okay, really what's going to happen? Where I think right. if you have a more languorous start, you can do, there's Trollocs in the woods. Mm-hmm. What does this world look like? Here's my sword. Here's yeah. some more stuff about wisdoms at school, yes. which I think it yes. gets short shrifted here and like the yes. women's circle and all that stuff. And then you, maybe you end there with Moraine showing up and fighting Trollocs and that Trollocs and that's then, and that launches you into something else. I just, right. again, I think that maybe helps with Rand and Perrin mm-hmm. and their relationship together because weirdly in fellowship, you get a lot of time with the hobbits kind of trying to figure they're in they're they don't have Vigo or Gandalf for a right. while. And they're right. just like, we got to get the hell out of here. Right. And so you get more time together. Whereas right yeah. away, they're like, what the hell's up with Moraine? She knows everything. Mm-hmm. She's we don't know what's going on. And we're just kind of getting dragged along. So I think yeah. it's a smaller kind of a situation, but we're in this world where Amazon can do whatever they want. Yes. I think yes. it would have been cool to be like, you know what? You're in for a movie. You're coming for two hours. Because I think you're right. Who's watching one and not three? Yeah, if you're going right. to do 45 minutes, do 90. Do right. two hours right there. Mm-hmm. And that would have helped, I think, because weirdly, as much as there, it felt rushed. It just felt yes. so yes. rushed in the first few episodes. Yeah. And I think people would give you some time, your Thanksgiving weekend or whatever. Right. Like, if they're going to watch 45, are going to be something yeah. like, ah, it's 90, I'm I mean, out. people I just don't made think it so. through The Witcher, which has a whole lot of, like, I don't know what's going on here or right. where we are. And it, and people watched all of that and loved yeah. it. So, you know. Yeah, I think also, they yeah, kind of... Also, related to that, there was some dialogue that was hard to understand. I don't know if you found that. Mm. I, I, there was just some dialogue that felt like it was dropped. And we have several accents, and there's mumbling, and I don't know. There I was actually a little really bit of that. liked all of the accents. I appreciate it. No, I like the accents. I like that the not everybody is standard British, which is the norm for high fantasy, right? Everybody's standard British. Oh, yeah. British. Right, um, yeah, yeah. But it's true. There were some, there were actually a couple moments that I wished I had captions on. Because I, I turned them I, on. I had no idea what people were saying, yeah. That's a trick I learned from Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> turn on the captions. No, I'm serious. Like, it helps yeah, to no, figure out absolutely. the names especially. You right. would think I'd remember, but um, I, I didn't. But I think that... That made it difficult, too, that it was so compressed in a lot of mm-hmm. different ways. Yeah. It, it would have been all right to open up, let the decant the wine of Wheel yeah. of Time a little bit. Yeah, let it, let, it breathe, let it breathe a little. Let it breathe. Let it breathe. 
All right, Jen, this was great. Thank you so much for um, uh, enduring my naivete and uh, beginner's <laughs> mind. For it was really time. fun. It was really fun. All right. Well, maybe when the season's over, we'll have to come do a check-in, a quick, uh, yeah. quick check-in. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. All right. So as, as you all know, you can email us at AdaptationNation at, pod, uh, at BookRiot.com. We're going to have another episode out in a couple of weeks. It will not be. Our, our next one is a, an old, an oldie but a goodie. So we're kind of going back and forth. Uh, Jen, thanks so much. Go check out Swords on Table. Go check out Tarvalon or Bust. You're taking a break, but they're all there. I'm sure you can find them on all podcatchers. You can go just yes, yes. find them. Thank and you. SFF, yeah. I'm, I'm hitting you. you got a lot of podcasts. It's SFF, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, get booked as well on the old bookriot.com slash listen. You can find them there. Jen, the wheel turns. The wheel weaves. <laughs> I don't know. It does something. We'll it does some the, things. We'll see you in the next turning. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>